and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 29th episode of the podcast for the week of November 12th, 2018. So let's break it down. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week, and then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I am so happy to welcome back uh, my dear friend, my favorite chat companion, well, one of them at least, D.C. area professional astrologer Jack Marsh. Uh, And we're going to have a discussion on fire and water, Mercury retrograde, Mars, and the nodal shift. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me today. And if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early access on Sunday for only, you know, as little as a dollar a month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady starts out the week in her waxing crescent position and in the productive, security-oriented earth sign of Capricorn. She then moves into the innovative air sign of Aquarius on Tuesday and where she will remain as she continues to wax towards her first quarter position in the sign of the water bearer on Thursday. Later that same day, she will move into the sensitive waters of Pisces for the remainder of the week's end until moving into the fiery go get of Aries on Sunday. So just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, at about eight hours, and if you are in Australia or the East, at about 17 hours, or basically the following day. You know, keep in mind that timing isn't always precise because astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. Well, you know, we have another week where we are continuing along the theme of planetary shifts as Mars finally leaves his lengthy stay in Aquarius to move into Pisces and Venus and Mercury both station on the same day. Venus is returning to her direct motion in Libra and Mercury is heading in reverse in the sign of Sagittarius. A first quarter moon in Aquarius creates the static electricity to shock us into motion as our lunar month's story continues to evolve. So let's not waste any time and dive right in. On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Capricorn, and she will make a conjunction to Pluto, a sextile to the sun, and then a square to Venus. 
And we don't have any particular aspects going on that day other than the moon doing her thing. But the bottom line for Monday is, is that we start out the week with our Capricorn moon asking that we get down to business and make progress on our goals and practical concerns. An early morning connection with Pluto could lead to some intense encounters with authority figures or our own ability to step up as some instinctual urge, uh, excuse me, instinctual energies may mess with our confidence a bit. Yet with the midday sextile to the sun, we come into alignment via that intensity and have a better sense of the changes that are taking place and how we can take pragmatic steps to implement these shifts further. So it's a get it done type of day. And by the evening, Luna will square a very slow Venus, because uh, she is about to station, which may cause some moodiness or sensitivity within our relations. Yet that irritation may lead to a turning point in the Venus retrograde story, so aim towards emotional progress in whatever arises. Now, on Tuesday, the moon is in Aquarius, um, and depending on where you are, she'll move into Aquarius about 7.45 a.m. here on the Pacific Coast. Uh, And along the way, she'll make a square to Uranus right before she moves into Aquarius, and then a sextile to Jupiter. And so Tuesday, uh, we just have moon aspects going on. And so the bottom line is, is that this day may start off in an unconventional way as Luna makes an early morning square to electric Uranus, who is now back in Aries. Uh, So whatever we are restless with could be guiding us towards a growth opportunity if we can, you know, step back, get some space and some perspective around whatever is popping up at this time. Luckily, Luna will move on to make a harmonious sextile with Jupiter, providing an an expanded perspective around our changing emotional viewpoint. And this can be a day of kind of breakdown, breakthrough type of energy. So, you know, look for the genius in whatever it is you encounter, because there are those nuggets of awareness that could come in on a day like today. Now, on Wednesday, the moon is still in Aquarius and will make a sextile to Mercury. And that's the only aspect that's going on that day. And so for Wednesday, the bottom line is that we have a communicative day taking place where we are connecting socially, you know, with calls and emails and news, you know, all that type of stuff coming in. And we are likely to be highly stimulated in the mental realm because Mercury is, uh, you know, stimulating and Aquarius is stimulating. And so ideas and big picture visions of the future may come and go and the day will likely move by rather quickly because whenever Mercury's here, you know, things are moving fast. So look to see what news or understandings come your way as there may be some insight that provides an opportunity for reassessment once Mercury stations for that retrograde cycle later in the week. Now on Thursday the action picks up um and we have a we have a, some significant things happening on Thursday First off, we have our first quarter moon happening in Aquarius, um, and that will take place um, at 6.54 a.m. here on the Pacific Coast. So it's it's earlier on in the day that we're feeling this uh, the tense square of the sun and the moon. And then later on in the day, uh, Luna will move into Pisces, and so we kind of have a two-part day emotionally. Um, and so the moon will make a square to the sun, which is our first quarter moon. Then she will make a trine to Venus, who is just about to station here. She'll make a sextile to Uranus, a conjunction to Mars, 
And then really late in the day, she'll be forming a square to Jupiter. And so basically, we have some activity going on on Thursday. We might be feeling it on Wednesday, starting to brew. We might have some residual after effects on Friday, since we have a lot of stuff going on there. But basically, the week is picking up by, uh, you know, once we get past hump day. And so let's first talk about this first quarter moon at 23 degrees and 11 minutes of Aquarius. You know, and it's it's likely to be an active day in the world sphere as our first quarter moon creates a turning point that pushes us into action. And so the cogs in the wheel, you know, begin to click and we are on to the next stage of monthly lunar activity. And the social welfare vibe of Aquarius is likely to come up and make some headlines with world issues popping up on the airwaves. And it's quite possible that more election-related news um, might come in at this point as there's a lot still being settled because uh, people are doing a lot of recounts, things along those lines. And we will all be wanting our space to come and go as we please, uh, because we are talking about Aquarius here. And it's quite possible that fresh ideas are popping up for us to communicate with others. So acting on your personal innovations, uh, because chances are changes of mind may come our way and could be the key of the progress of this day. Because Aquarius, it's it's got that fixed nature, but it's always still got that progressive viewpoint taking place. So I think that we are um, innovating emotionally um, as far as our viewpoint conceptually, uh, our conceptual viewpoint. Um, we're, we're seeing a change there. Plus, we have a lot of Mars activity that is involved and he is having his say. So let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, two things of note. Mars is going to make a sextile to Uranus retrograde. And then we'll move into Pisces uh, shortly after. And, you know, chances are, especially with this Mars sextile to Uranus, we're probably going to be feeling this um, uh, between Tuesday and Thursday. Um, so just know that what I'm about to explain here might take place or start to brew earlier on in the week. And so Mars, what is Mars? Mars is our action, our drive, our warrior, what we fight for, where we direct that motivation. It could be things such as anger or accidents or, or male figures in our lives or in the public sphere or where, where we're asserting ourselves and possibly being aggressive. Um, and it's making a sextile, which is sextile opens up the door to something. It creates an opportunity, but we have to walk through that door. It just, just doesn't happen like a trine. You know, you got to take action on that. And so what is that door opening to? Well, that is Uranus, which is our, our turnaround, our awakening, where we free or liberate ourselves from something. Or there's a sudden storm uh, that causes unexpected change that leads us to the turnaround or the awakening. And so as this is happening on the 29th degree, right before Mars moves into Pisces, I feel as if there is a catalyst that causes us to act in some way that will help lead the way to greater liberation and movement, possibly tackling a concept in an ingenious way or a burst of intuition that will kind of set you into motion if you choose to act, of course, because that's the thing you have to, especially, uh, you know, in a because. Basically, the 29th degree a lot of times can be looked at as that tested degree, that anoretic degree. And so we have a test around this. And that Aquarius uh, energy is air, after all. And it's going to take, you know, some inspiration and fire to act. Uh, And I think that's where that 29 degrees Uranus and Aries comes in. 
And so chances are there will be a restlessness and electricity in the air that is poking us into action. So take the opportunity for new experiences as they can help you break out of any type of rut that you're in. Um, or make that might be what changes that viewpoint that I was talking about with the first quarter moon. And so participating in any type of out-of-the-ordinary actions will prove to be very freeing uh, and open you up to new avenues of perspective. So this could be a great day to engage in what is a little bit foreign or unfamiliar or new and exciting, um, whether that is literally something we're doing in the world sphere or we are just entertaining that within ourselves. Now, Mars, after he makes this sextile to Uranus, will move into Pisces. And so finally, after what seems like an eternity of a stay in the fixed air of Aquarius, our warrior planet Mars finally moves on with his story and ingresses into the mutable waters of Pisces. And so Mars had been in Aquarius, aside from his brief dip back into Capricorn during that retrograde cycle during the summer, since May 15th of this year. So that's a long time uh, because he usually takes less than two months to get through a sign to, you know, to put it into perspective. So be it to say, energy is going to shift quite noticeably as our warrior slips into the compassionate, receptive, and humble waters of Pisces, yet possibly indecisive, evasive, and careless waters as well. Because, you know, Pisces is a double-bodied sign after all, and it stands in two streams. So I like to think of it as a riptide pulling in two currents. With these alternating directions, it's possible to find yourself a little out to sea sometimes. And of course, Jack and I will be talking about this in much more depth later in the program, so stay tuned, especially since Jack holds this position in his own natal birth chart. So I'm interested to see what he has to say. So the bottom line for Thursday is is that we are moving forward with innovating our lives as we shake things up a bit. We have a better concept of our worth and are able to take action in ways that help to liberate outmoded ways of being now that our viewpoints have shifted towards what's next. Our minds are made up, and once the Luna, once Luna makes that uh, move into Pisces, we can kind of surrender and go with the flow of things. She will conjunct Mars uh, at zero degrees of the sign, so you know, take your time with your actions and don't try to swim upstream, uh, because it's some. It takes a little bit for the energy to get settled into a sign. And it's likely to feel like a two-part day in many respects because we are shifting into the next phase of the lunar cycle, as conceptual understanding may look a little different once emotions are involved. Because, the you know, we look at it from this airy view in Aquarius, and then Pisces rolls around, and we're like, oh, emotions. <laughs> so just be aware of that. Now, on Friday, uh, we have two significant events happening on the same day, and that is Venus stationing for direct motion, and Mercury stationing for retrograde motion. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. The universe (laughs) really has its timing locked down. And so Friday, real quick, we have the moon in Pisces, and she will make a sextile to Saturn, a square to Mercury, who is just stationing here, and then a conjunction to Neptune uh, much later in the day. And so let's first talk about this Venus stationing uh, for direct motion. Um, And really, Wednesday through Friday are hot spots for those with Venus transits going on. So if you have planets, especially personal planets, at cardinal signs, which are Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn, and if they sit around 25 degrees of the sign, you're going through uh, Venus is contacting your planets, and there's probably going to be more action for you. So just heads up if you fit that criteria. 
Um, but, you know, Venus has been retrograde since October 5th and in the shadow of the retrograde since September 2nd. So this, too, has been a story playing out for some time, a story around reassessing partnerships, personal values, our relating styles, our creative projects, etc., and trying to harmonize these areas of our life because Venus is looking for harmony. So now that she's stations in her domicile of Libra, and we are we are likely to have our minds made up in those departments, yet it will depend on how much we can love and commit to ourselves to uphold these revised values so that they change uh so that that change that we're looking for in these areas can basically organically commence because it's a receptive nature. I mean, it doesn't go out after something. It's more of receiving. And so we're holding space for the, these, these energies and these values to take place. All right, so Venus stations and Mercury stations as well to go retrograde. Um, and this is another topic that Jack and I will be t- tackling later on in the program, so I won't get into it too much here. Um, Yet first, let's discuss the facts. Mercury has been in his shadow phase since October 28th, in case you've had any kind of retrograde type of experiences in that department. Yet the main thing to focus on is the transmissions coming through, as that will be the retrograde cycle, you know, fodder for you to chew on. So it may behoove you to reflect on events in the past two and a half weeks, as those may be the more potent triggers for review along with the past three months since the last retrograde, because we're kind of looking back at this three-month period, but particularly the last two and a half weeks. And so Mercury stations on this day, Friday, November 16th, and it will happen at 13 degrees of Sagittarius, and uh, it will retrograde until it stations direct at 27 degrees of Scorpio, which will be on December 6th. So the big picture of our inspirations will be on review, and as Mercury dances with Jupiter, now also in Sagittarius, this retrograde period will help to formulate an enlarged perspective around our lives and the trajectory it is headed next. Mercury will leave the shadow just after the winter solstice, which is basically uh, our next yearly chapter beginning, so it's quite perfect. And so the bottom line for Friday is, is that sensitivity rules the day as Luna is now fully swimming in the waters of Pisces. Listen to your intuition and cultivate emotional inspiration around the shifts that are taking place. Saturn chimes in to help solidify our visions and make practical steps towards spirit's directive. As there are two planets stationing today, it is wise to take your time with things as there may be hiccups taking place, particularly in the realm of Mercury. Luna will square the messenger later in the night on Friday, so be careful out on the roads, and certainly don't take any chances driving while Neptune is, you know, is in the mix. Like, if you're you're even remotely intoxicated or even just a little bit tired, uh, which you should never do in the first place, of course. I do not condone that. But there's an extra vibe of that in the air right now. So if you see a friend who doesn't know any better, stop them in their tracks. Um, because, you know, Neptune, when it's in the mix, especially in the evening, can be quite foggy. Even literally, the fog can roll in. So be aware that clarity and coordination may be evasive on Friday night, so don't take any chances. Now, on Saturday, the moon is still in Pisces and will make a sextile to Pluto and then a trine much later in the day. Um, And we've made it through all our aspects of the week, so it's only moon action here, but the bottom line for Saturday is that 
Today is likely to be rather dreamy yet inspirational as we feel the shifting tides and where we are harmoniously uh, you know, fitting into this greater collective. This can be a great day for escape, such as reading a good book, going to the movies, or creating a work of art uh, or music. Um, you know, this can be a wonderful way to tap into this receptive uh, emotional energy that Pisces has. And we can also make peace with letting go what has been in order to align with the transformative vibe that is inherent in this lunar cycle. Because, you know, we did have a new moon in Scorpio, and so this is flavoring much of this month. So I predict a peaceful day as long as we go with the flow of the energy that is taking place. Now, on Sunday, the moon moves into Aries and will make a trine to Jupiter and then a square to Saturn. And so the bottom line for Sunday is, is that the fire is turned up as energy increases and enthusiasm is in the air. We may feel inspired to begin something new based on our desire for change and progress. Yet have patience as Mercury is still getting settled in his retrograde phase, um, and we are likely to feel ready and raring to go, you know, with that Aries moon. So, you know, perhaps pick the low-hanging fruit, just little things that help motivate us, that don't take a whole lot of energy, but we feel like we're making progress somehow. Because, um, you know, chances are our patience is likely to be tested in the evening, particularly when Luna makes that square to Saturn. Um, and it's potentially, it's potential that blockages can kind of slow our role in some way, shape, or form. So try not to be overly judgmental about whatever's taking place or get depressed about, you know, something getting in your way because this feeling will pass soon, soon enough. And so to wrap it all up here, Uh, We are emotionally innovating this week and shaking things up in our lives, and there may still be much to consider as Mercury now starts its own retrograde cycle. Yet our fundamental and conceptual approaches are shifting, and sometimes that can mean everything in regards to the progression of our life's story. So now let's take a look at the cards, because they always add another extra dimension to what is going on. And so this week I drew the Four of Swords as the focus and the King of Swords as the grounding. So we have some sword action going on. And so with the Four of Swords as the focus, it may be necessary to take a little breather this week, particularly if you are facing or have just faced a battle of some sort or are in need of some recuperative and restorative time. Uh, Because I know a lot of people are dealing with things, especially here in uh, California with all the fires going on um, and, you know, people having, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of things that are calling us to have this, uh, need this time, you know, downtime. Um, And especially if you're feeling under the weather, you know, take time for yourself in order to stabilize and renew your energy. And meditation can actually be very helpful this week for the, you know, there is a decision to be made and you might need more clarity around the matter. You know, Mercury is going retrograde here. So yes, this is also reinforcing this type of energy. So take a time out, go within and cultivate that peace of mind that you are looking for. Now with the King of Swords as the grounding, managing your life from a logical perspective will be of benefit this week. His strength lies in using his power to master the mind. And with the Four of Swords as our focus, that mental mastery will be the most effective if we take a little time and space for ourselves to detach from whatever situations we are encountering, particularly if they are of emotional variety. So honor diplomacy, see all sides of the issue, and align with what is fair for yourself in the matter. 
Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the mountain goat. Our hoofed friend shows up for a second time on the podcast to remind us that something may be out of balance in our lives and it's time to do whatever is necessary to correct it. The last time the mountain goat chose to be our ambassador of the week was when Mercury was last retrograde and Venus was entering Libra. How perfect is that? So now Venus is stationing in that very sign and Mercury is ready to retrograde again indicating that it's time to mentally review what is in need of correction, while Venus is ready to move forward implementing what she has come to terms with in her own retrograde cycle. And so if your health is feeling a little out of whack, get some self-care, see a doctor. If life is all work, integrate some play. If you've been procrastinating on certain duties, it could be time to buckle down and get to work. So basically, wherever the scale is tipping too much in one direction, that area will need to be addressed. Take what steps you you can to make adjustments and find greater equilibrium in the process. Now, if you want to dive deeper into the energy of the week and how that will interact with you personally, I encourage you to check out my Terra subscription on Patreon. Uh, It is a $6 a month per uh, prescription. (laughs) It's a prescription. Um, Subscription uh, that also includes early access to the podcast, my moon horoscopes that are right uh, twice a month. um, And I provide these weekly spreads that are aligned with the energy of the planets that I'm talking about here. And so last week we worked on new moon aspirations. And this week we're going to be working on gauging the big picture. So it doesn't matter if you are new to tarot or you are a seasoned expert. It is open to everyone, and it's a great learning tool. So if you want to find out more, you can check out a freebie spread on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I am so happy to welcome back this week's guest, Jack Marsh. Thank you so much for joining me again. Thanks for having me, Mel. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So Jack, if you have not, if you're new to this podcast, he, this will be the third time he has made an appearance. As we all know, third time's a charm. So, <laughs> And Jack is an absolute charm and that is why he's back. He's one of my favorite people to talk to and I'm so grateful to have him as uh, a friend and an astro ally to talk all this planet stuff about. So before we get started here, Jack, uh, give people a little background just in case they have not caught previous episodes. For sure. Well, I live near the D.C. area uh, in Northern Virginia. So if you're local, um, come see me. (laughs) I uh, do a lot of things. Uh, Definitely fits my name. I'm a jack of all trades. Uh, My website, GeminiJack.com, will be fully up and running by the time that this, uh, again, by the time that this airs. So that's lovely. You can find me there with some wonderful blog posts. And uh, I also teach yoga and I'm a Reiki practitioner and work in the real estate market. So do lots of things. Yes. <laughs> He's a Gemini Jack all the way, right? You know, uh, you're like the, the Shiva with the many hands. <laughs> all the hands in the cookie jar. Um, I get it. I feel the same way. It's, it's fun. It makes life interesting. And that's what happens when you have Gemini energy because, I mean, Gemini Jack, clearly. He has some Gemini energy. You have that Gemini <laughs> rising, the Gemini sun right there. And right mm-hmm. here, my Gemini Mars. And uh, yeah, we, you know, us Gemini energy, we stay busy. 
Absolutely. I'm not happy unless I'm in motion a bit, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, well, <laughs> yes. And sometimes I'm not happy because I'm in motion. I'm like, how do I make this stop? Um, <laughs> but that, those are rare occasions. Because once it stops, I'm like, where's, when's it going to pick up? This is boring. Where's the activity? Yes. Yeah. Where's the activity? What happened here? <laughs> well, there's plenty of activity going on in the sky. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, I know last week, James, David Wade, and I touched on Jupiter and Sagittarius. But there really was a lot more to be touching on uh, right now for this really shifting climate in November. You know, um, Things are changing. And so we're going to be talking about fire and water today uh, around Mercury retrograde, uh, Mars going into Pisces, and the nodal shift that has happened. Um, and oh my gosh, Jack, where do we even start? I just, I, let's start real quick with the, with the, just the nodal shift. Um, sure. Cause we're not going to do like a crazy treatment here, but this is big news. You know, it happens every 18 months where it switches. So, I mean, what are your thoughts of this new axis and what we might see there? Well, this new axis, it's really important to consider because it's a year and a half transit. It's going to be in play and adding to all of that drama that's going to be happening next year in Capricorn with, uh, the alignments of Pluto and Saturn with Jupiter moving through there. This is all going to cross the South node, which already is a karmic influencer. Uh, and so we're definitely going to see manifestations of areas of life that we on a societal and global level, as well as a nation, need to clean up our act because we're going to start really seeing the visible results of uh, the way that we have been putting out karma into the world. We're going to get that feedback of the digested south nodal karma coming at us through the obvious hierarchical structures of Capricorn. Um, in addition, you got to consider the whole axis of that wonderful node, the north node going into Cancer. It's really about a return to the home and nurturing and feeling secure and safe. And uh, it's said that in order to escape or relieve the problems of the south node, one needs to focus on the north node, and then the gifts come through the south node. So it's this beautiful cycle of address the north node because there are all these problems that you're feeling because there's this, the karmic body, that belly of the dragon is digesting all sorts of things. <laughs> but once you start feeding it right through the mouth, suddenly, you know, the digestion gets better and you start having these wonderful things come out. Uh, happening the dragon might lay a beautiful egg you know you never know yeah <laughs> or it might release what no longer is is needed and we can send that <laughs> i had a very visual image when you were saying that with the dragon i'm like okay we're feeding the dragon oh what comes out the other end <laughs> <laughs> and you're like the golden egg and i'm like oh that sounds good but i'm sure other things you know and that's could be the purpose <laughs> the south node is to release through that area too um and so yeah we spent the last 18 months and with leo uh north node and aquarius in the south node um and uh which is interesting considering our world climate and what has happened since then and even here in the u.s having this very leonin uh president <laughs> taking sure yes uh that was part of the the nodal progression i think um as far as the world sphere is concerned That's for most of us, we were kind of tapping back into our, you know, what keeps the fires burning in our hearts and, you know, things along those lines. Um, mm -hmm. Cancer. Uh, well, and also in the nodal shift, people often consider that the wheel of the zodiac, each successive sign in zodiacal order offers sort of a, a bit of a correction for the weak points of the sign that comes previously. 
And so typically the way that that progresses would be from Leo into Virgo. So from the ego or the self-expression um, of the individual into how to make things more efficient uh, and how you work within a system. Mm. But for the nodes, the nodes always move backwards. And I think it's important to notice how the nodes take us through a karmic evolution uh, in the reverse direction. So there are some corrections for Leo as we move back into Cancer uh, with, with the North Node, where we have been really, especially now more than ever in, in the, like since the Civil War, we have each uh, politically been more divided along the lines of our ideology. And now as we're moving back into Cancer with that North Node, it's time for us to come back to home as a society. Mm-hmm. Find ways to reach across the barriers of uh, personal beliefs and uh, different lifestyles, uh, different lifestyle choices and faith-based things, and uh, find the place where we can all nurture one another again as a culture. And so uh, I think we can definitely expect to see events happening on a national scale that are going to force us to cooperate and therefore learn to get along with one another again. And just as an example, the last time that the North Node was in Cancer, and of course, the chart for the United States as a Cancer Sun yeah. was uh, the time period uh, of September 11th, 2001. So the nodes uh, were moving through the last parts of, ca- uh, or the early parts, I should say, yeah. of Capricorn, because they moved backwards. Mm. Uh, Do you have a degree and- for that date, by any chance? Uh, it moved out on like October 12th uh, of that year. So it was really near the end, like the like second half or the first part of the first decade of cancer. So it was probably because I know the, um, the U.S. has uh, Venus and Jupiter conjunct right in the early mm-hmm. part. So, yeah. OK, Just putting that together in my mind. <laughs> Put that together. Um, yeah. And that was very significant. And it changed the, I, you know, it actually created a scenario um, where we tightened up things here uh, over in the U.S. and we created something called Homeland Security. How cancer driven is that? You know, if cancer <laughs> rules the home um, and is very concerned about such things as security, like it doesn't get more cancer than Homeland Security, you know, um, that's just one of the things that was taking place. But yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so, and, you know, and, and here we are again, um, where, okay. So I find it very interesting. Um, cause Jack and I both like to talk about kind of more mundane subjects. This is our, we are passionate about this. We'll get into some of the other things <laughs> that are a little more personal, but you know, can't help it. Um, I found it very interesting just thinking about, and I didn't talk about this last week with, uh, Jupiter and Sagittarius, but, um, you know, the whole idea of the caravan coming and how everybody, you know, the uh, political, um, you know, the the right is trying to get everybody like motivate or like just basically scare them to be like, oh, these these crazy people are coming our way and in droves of all types of, you know, bad people, you know, foreign foreigners, you know, this is Jupiter <laughs> and Sagittarius just beginning to blow up uh, and we're protecting our borders because of it. Um, which it's so ironic because the whole reason they're in this situation to begin with and they're in their caravan is because of our own involvement within their country, or at least as far as Honduras and areas in Central America are concerned. Um, but I think this really speaks to some of the some of the cancer north node that's going to be happening, this kind of reassessing of, uh, you know, 
obviously what our, what our home looks like, how mm-hmm. we're protecting our home or how we feel we are or what that even looks like. And sometimes protection because cancer can hold on to things for a long time. I always use the analogy, like cancer is like the crab uh, on the rocks and it keeps getting hit by the waves and like smashed and crashed and <laughs> like holding on with all the tenacity. But if it really just would like let go and go with the flow of things, be a lot easier. <laughs> it absolutely would be. And there's that wonderful lunar connection there too of cancer having a rulership over memories and how we imprint the events, like Capricorn being the objective historical events that occurred, but cancer and the moon being the way that we have been imprinted and what our takeaway is as an individual and as uh, a culture uh, from these events. And so that was, I think that's really beautifully said, Mel. I think that's beautifully said. That's that's absolutely (laughs) true because that's so important, what we hold in our memories. And, um, you know, we are driven by that a lot. I mean, that's the whole idea of childhood conditioning. Uh, is because we remember things um, in this in this emotional space that sometimes can be hard to tap into, and it works on more of a subconscious realm. And I mean, if we think about natural cancer, at least in the chart um, that's at the bottom of the chart, you know, we're referencing very underground, you know, psychological, uh, emotional, you know, conditioning here, mm-hmm. um, and that can be really good, and that can be. I have no word for it, but I think you get where I'm going. It's been great. Yes. And how interesting too, that the North node being in cancer reemphasizes the uh, qualities of cancer that are all about nourishment. Mm -hmm. And so when you're feeding the North node in cancer, I think we need to be especially aware of exactly what we're putting into uh, our own lives and into the earth as well. Like, what are we feeding the earth? We're, I think we're going to perhaps see more results of uh, excessive pollution and things of this nature, uh, things that might call us to as a society to deal with it more directly, perhaps some more tangible evidence. Because that is one thing that um, a lot of people that are unsure about global warming say. They're like, you know, where is, where is the real life evidence? You talk about seas warming and things like that, but that seems very abstract. I think we're going to see more concrete events. I mean, we're already having all of these uh, massive changes uh, and polarities in weather, like the West coast being so dry and the East coast this year, so wet. I mean, the wettest summer in like 90 years, uh, just um, absolutely uh, polarized on either side of the nation. It just fascinates me. Uh, yeah, that was going somewhere else as well, but <laughs> it, we'll get back in the flow at some point. Yeah, <laughs> back in the flow. <laughs> well, you know, when I think about it and to, uh, to liken it to some more world events here um, and something that has been a very big issue for a good portion of the year here is, you know, the deportation of immigrants and then us holding on to their children, you know, um, and what's going on there. And I saw an interesting, um, uh, John Oliver segment on HBO. Um, well, not even interesting, heartbreaking really, where they were showing the, um, the, a little boy being returned to his mother after having been separated for, I want to say a month, maybe two months. Wow. And it, was heartbreaking to watch because so much had changed in that little boy in that little period, that period of time, you know, he's probably like five years old 
And he didn't want his mom to be his mommy anymore. Like he was so detached. Like, why would my mom do this to me? And so I, I was heartbroken in it because she, you know, clearly she did not do that. This was a circumstance of, you know, bureaucracy and these bigger systems and organizations that are dictating people's lives and people's family and their home, you know, situation. Um, and I think part of that South node that's going on here, if we think about Capricorn versus this nurturing cancer energy is sometimes if we're so into the bottom line or the agenda that's happening or what the plan is, or, but, you know, you take the humanity out of it. You take the, um, the, uh, the soul in, in some ways. And I think that some of that is might be coming up during the next 18 months is why are we doing the things we're doing is it nurturing us as a society is it nurturing us as people. Um, and how do those, those rules and those laws and that those agendas affect, you know, the family, the home, all of that. Anyway. What, what does the structure of society Capricorn look like if we don't, address the, the real needs of the human soul or the human nature. Yes. Yeah. Good way to sum that up. That, uh, that's perfect. And so this, these are the types of uh, topics that are going to be uh, looked at as particularly in the world sphere. Now, I mean, on a personal one, I was kind of looking at it like we spent the last, you know, connecting with that, that Leo authentic, the authenticity that lives inside and connecting more on a heart-based level. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, finding that fire and then, uh, you know, having the, having the will to, uh, fix it in a way so that we can move on, uh, you know, aligned with that heart energy. And so I'm thinking that with cancer, the shift to cancer, maybe we will be finding the home for that fire or finding the hearth for that fire in a way so that we can nurture it and let it grow and make it, you know, sustain it and secure it in a way. Um, and so that's kind of like the first thing that I thought, but I mean, what do you think on maybe like a personal level? I love that idea of us finding a hearth for our hearth fire. You know, Leo being that fixed flame, often compared to a bonfire. Uh, bonfires are great, um, but they're uh, rather hot and the heat gets dispersed really, really quickly. So finding a wonderful nurturing space for ourselves in our daily lives and how we uh uh, feed our own emotional needs and our bodies through physical practices, like whether you work out regularly or yoga, or just take a freaking walk outside, enjoy the weather, you know, have a nice hike. <laughs> uh, that gives a, a great room, like the living room, for that fire to exist in and a space that our pride and our heart, Leo hearts can warm up. I think that's a really, a really beautiful metaphor there, Mel. Well, because we spend all this time, you know, like connecting with that. But as we know, fire, it's, it's, it's fire. It's inspiration. It's, it's mm-hmm. there above us. It's, you know, but it's not necessarily tangible or grounded because, you know, here the South, no- South Node in Capricorn, if we're thinking about, like you were saying, some of those uh, benefits or so talents or, you know, uh, hidden gems, that, could, that golden egg out, the, <laughs> <laughs> out that tail end of the dragon that could possibly come <laughs> out. Um, you know, that, that can give us some of that grounding energy to, to mm-hmm. pair with our nurturing and having taken in that, uh, the fire of the Leo and, and the conceptual uh, future vision of Aquarius, you know, the gift that has come from that within mm-hmm. it. Um, and I think a lot of us have just shifted. I mean, how, how, how much have you personally shifted in this 18 months, would you say? 
uh, enormously. Uh, first attendance of UAC, uh, getting to meet all these wonderful people, getting more involved uh, in my own area uh, with, I mean, uh, with yoga and with the businesses that one is involved in. Um, I, yeah, everyone that I've seen has just really gotten back to uh, being more active in society, which is really cool to see. I think that that's one of the gems that we can take from the strife that's been happening internally uh, in the United States um, and, and over the world in places like Russia and all these other uh, countries. Um, one of the gems we can take out of this polarization is that it has motivated people to become more active. And now that we are invested in doing more things uh, in society, in the outside world, now is the time, now that we're invested and active, to reflect more on the way we're dispersing our ideas and sharing them with one another in order to find more of a human common ground. Mm, yeah, yeah. Because we, it, it, yes, I think part of that, I think part of that nodal shift into cancer is that is that human connection and that's just... <sighs> that the tapping into that, that mother earth or that mother that lives within our, our, our soul and like nurturing that, um, into existence, because I mean, cancer is the mother and we mother mothering everything, you know, essentially it's like the empress. We are nurturing things in projects and birthing things into new existence, um, there. And it's going to need a loving touch. <laughs> sure. Oh, sorry. No, go um, <laughs> oh, cool. I think that it's also important for us all to just remember as well that the nodes are, of course, the eclipse points. So we're about to have our next year and a half series of eclipses, these major events uh, that drive forward motion through uh, sudden and sometimes drastic changes. They're all going to be happening from late Capricorn and Cancer through... uh, through the beginnings of those signs. So if you have any major planets in the fixed sign or in the cardinal signs, specifically Cancer and Capricorn, those are all going to get activated in the next year and a half through the eclipse cycles. And then if you have any planets in the squaring cardinal signs, Aries or Libra, those will also be activated, just not quite as dramatically. Um, I think a good way to think about it is that when you have planets squaring the nodal axis versus the conjunction or opposition to um, to the eclipses. When you have that square, it, there's actually more opportunity for forward uh, for forward drive or a positive karmic direction because the node itself isn't too overly focused on consumption or or release and production, like the north node consuming, the south node digesting and releasing those square points actually offer a lot of opportunity to incorporate more of our free choice into the equation. So if you have planets that are getting, that are going to get triggered in Aries or Libra in the next year and a half, know that those are going to be places that you actually can invest some really great uh, power of free choice to really advance your life in a way that you would like to, if you just put direction behind it. Uh, if it's happening in Cancer or Capricorn, you have to play along a little more with the way the nodes like to function. Mm, yeah, that, that makes sense. Like there, There's almost an opportunity for action within the square because things will be triggered that can uh, have like certain turning points or different paths to walk down. It's like activate 
that energy. But speaking of square, Jack, uh, what we have to consider with the, you know, this, this nodal shift is the fact that yes. Uranus has just moved back into, you know, 29 degrees of Aries and will basically being in its own square, um, on the south bendings of the nodes, uh, until I want to say March, like it's going to be riding alongside of the nodes for quite some time yeah. in that T-square format. Um, and you know, Uranus is the planet of, you know, what, what to expect. I don't know, uh, because it's, it's, it's shocking in, in many ways, but it also helps us rise up in, in internally within our own selves as a culture, all of that. And so, I mean, do you have any thoughts on kind of Uranus playing into this and just being back in Aries in general? I think that's a really great observation, Mel. Uh, and, um, I actually, you know what? I had not considered until this moment, but you're already filling my brain with these beautiful archetypes. And uh, I think that we definitely are uh, at a place where, mm, it's a placement where I think that we can uh, actively look into ourselves and see what we've been wanting to revolutionize for a long time. And then, uh, I would definitely look at your chart or if you're less familiar with your chart, get with an astrologer or do a little reading and see where those places are hitting you specifically and see how that aligns with what you've been wanting to change. Because uh, Uranus will bring sudden changes whether we choose them or not. And so I think this is another uh, uh, calling card to dip into our resources of free choice and uh, choose for ourselves ways in which we want to make uh, visible and tangible changes, because um, if you don't, then the universe will provide them for you. Mm, that is, you, yes, yes, and yes. And we got to remember it's in Aries, so it has a, a sense of self-leadership to it. And so we do want to take the reins and make those changes for ourselves, and we're going to feel that pressure to do so. And I don't think this is going to be anything new that we're going to be encountering as far as what we might be, um, you know, liberating ourselves from or just just rearranging and innovating our lives in certain ways because we have traveled this territory i mean uranus had been in uh aries since what was it 2011 i want to say 2010 2011 started going in and out at the end of 2010 yeah it could yeah Mm -hmm. the same kind of dance it's doing right now with taurus and aries um and so we've traveled this territory before and particularly back in in May, May 15th, when we had our new moon in Taurus that had Mars squaring Uranus at the 29 degrees of cardinal signs. And so we can probably even look back as to what was, you know, going on within us back in in May in the early part of this year and see where that story is going to pick up to have some final shifts in the story through basically spring of 2019. Um, yes, I love that. The the god of, of lightning and air, Uranus, is coming in to like shake us and make sure I have you manifested what you've been trying to, like what I've been teaching you for the last eight years, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. It's it's like, well, they always say, you know, the tested degree, the final test of the degree. Uh, but, well, you know, right now, Uranus is still retrograde and will be retrograde, I think, until the early part of January, I want to say, um, or somewhere around there. So, you know, a lot of these shifts, especially when a planet is retrograde, is happening uh, internally to some extent, you know. So a lot of the unrest that we're going to be feeling is going to be lying in that zone, but it's going to take us 
to honor that internal dysfunction <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, you know, take action on the outside. Um, and coincidentally enough, when Mars finally reaches, because we'll, we're going to talk about Mars moving signs here in a second, but mm-hmm. when Mars finally reaches Uranus at, to conjunct after this crazy dance that's been going on for many months, uh, will be a year plus at that point, yeah. um, we'll be at 29 degrees of Aries. So, that you know, we're setting up story Ooh. here. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> what you call divine timing, <laughs> divine astrological <laughs> timing. Um, but and, you know, it's exciting and it should be because it's Uranus. But not it depends on your own nature as to how you're going to deal with that. Because if you're not into surprises, and a lot of people aren't, <laughs> or, right. or taking risks, or you know, shaking things up a little bit, it may be a little unsettling. Um, and if you love those things, exciting times coming up. Yes. Yeah. Like roller coasters and shocks. Yeah. yeah. Sign up. Get on. You get your ticket for the ride. You don't even need a ticket. The ride will come to you. Um, but speaking of Mars, we're going to yes. talk a little bit about Mars moving into Pisces after the epically long stay in Aquarius. Like yes. Our wonderful Aquarius ride. Retrogrades. I, I, it sits in a good place for my chart, but I even, I mean, everyone's ready for Mars to move into a different sign, I think, at this point. Uh, Mars in the fixed signs tends to be even more obstinate than usual. Uh, it's very strong headed. And so moving into the mutable waters of Pisces could really see a lot of things softening and some understandings coming forth. Um, really fast, before we get into Mars, specifically in Pisces, I just wanted to um, talk about a little bit of esoteric astrology for oh. a in terms of the glyph construction for Mars. So what I mean by that is the actual symbol for Mars, um, and this is one that almost everyone in our society is familiar with, you know, Venus and Mars, the feminine and masculine symbol, uh, are pretty familiar, but... Um, So all of the planetary glyphs or symbols are built off of three shapes that are just augmented slightly. The circle of the sun, the crescent of the moon, and then the cross, uh, which is known in esoteric astrology as the cross of matter, but it's the angles. It's where manifestation happens. And so with the cross or the angles, the circle of the sun and the crescent of the moon, you can form all of the planetary shapes and it gives you... uh, insight into how that planet functions. And so Mars is made or constructed by putting the cross of matter uh, on top of and on the side of the circle of spirit or uh, the sun. And the interesting thing about Mars is that it's the only planetary body that uh, does not incorporate the fullness of the cross. Yeah. Actually chops off the descending axis And why is that? Because Mars sees only what it needs and how its desires are being pushed forward. And so you have the reduction of removing the descendant from the cross of Mars. Mm. Um, So uh, Mars is the cross of matter being borne up or supported by the circle of spirit or the energy of the sun. Um, And this is actually a useful insight when you apply it to Pisces because Mars isn't at detriment in Pisces, but it it easily can be. The way that it harmonizes best with Pisces, though, is by getting to the root of Mars's drive, which is spirit or the circle of the sun. If you can align your Martian principle with a higher cause, higher philosophy, or spirituality, then choices and actions made by the Martian impulse in Pisces 
can manifest really beautifully and really easily. But if the motivation of Mars does not come from spirit when it's in Pisces, then things get very confusing. Mm. Uh, very confusing and lots of different routes taken. Um, as someone with a natal Mars in Pisces, yes. <laughs> uh, when you're operating from human drives, which all of us do at different times, the human, the animal drives, hunger, the need for a partner, the need for security. If you're operating from those needs without uh, incorporating it into your higher philosophy, then you start to take a lot of um, actions that seem uh, like confusing choices to people from the outside, or they're generally ineffective. Like you might be working really hard, burning your Mars energy, doing a lot of things, Pisces, you see all these different opportunities to take and things to invest your energy in, but the manifestations won't come unless the impulse comes from that higher place. Mm, I love that, Jack. From down from the the glyph itself to the explanation within that, because that's true. Like Mars, you know, if we think about Mars, he's just going forward. He's going forward with his own agenda, what he wants to do. <laughs> and there is not that reciprocal other side of the cross of matter. Oh, wow. That's gives me a lot to think about, Jack. And, and, <laughs> and hence why I wanted him to talk about it. And because you have Mars uh, natally in Pisces. And mm-hmm. I mean, one of the first things I remember about meeting you when, when we were in UAC, uh, and we were in that Mars lecture with, uh, Adam Gainsburg when he yeah. talked about cycles of Mars and you had, you had, uh, confessed to the class. I think that you had always been kind of confused about your Mars and Pisces. It was like the only planet in your chart that you were like, had not quite put your finger on yet. And, but it was so fitting, right? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, like years of study, I could talk to other people about their Marses. I, I, you know, I had a full understanding of the rest of, of my chart, but what a typical Pisces problem, vagueness. Uh, and then also I think it was, um, it's been part of the young man's journey for me, uh, learning how to apply Mars best because in Pisces, when it's not being applied, well, it might, Mars might as well be in detriment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pisces is sort of the, you know, Mars rules Scorpio and has his fall in Cancer. So Pisces is the place where he can be both sort of in charge of himself, but also potentially lose sight of what, what he's doing in the first place. Yeah, because it's a double-bodied sign. So it, it could mm-hmm. go one way or the other. And sometimes that can be of, you know... It, can be of great like strategy, you know, especially if it's from that spiritual place or it can be of utter incompetence if it doesn't know what it's doing kind of thing. And so I was likening it to uh, kind of like a rip current a little bit, you know, how like a rip current will come in and you have, it's like literally like go, the circles are going in opposite directions. What's like the fish that are going in opposite directions. And if you get caught within that, uh, you can essentially be lost out to sea after that, once you get past those breaking waves. (laughs) And so I, you know, Pisces can really be that, or Mars and Pisces can really get you caught in that rip current. If you don't have, like you were saying that spiritual direction, uh, this collective consciousness, this, the beauty that is Pisces, you know, that really soft, uh, empathetic, Mm -hmm. compassionate, uh, in touch space, um, that is Pisces. If, if you don't have that, you might get caught in that certain current that will get to the vagueness and the incompetence and 
going one direction and finding yourself ashore in another, you know, kind of thing. For sure. I love that you brought up a riptide too, because it really connected for me, you know, Pisces in terms of physical bodies of water rules the shallows and rivers and streams, but also the deepest depths of the ocean. Cancer is the sea as you are on like a scuba diver's level on the surface of the ocean as it nurtures the land and uh, the animals that live within the sea. But Pisces, again, like if you're going to Marianas Trench, that's a very Piscean depths kind of place. Uh, but it's also the warm and wonderful shallows. And the riptide is that force of water that pulls you from the one extreme of the shallows straight into the depths of the ocean. And so I love that you uh, brought up that metaphor of sort of like the Hot Wheels car speed accelerator of the riptide zipping you in and zipping you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's, well, it, it's funny. I looked up like a little definition of, of rip currents and I found this so interesting uh, for, and we can use this as a piece of advice for those who do not have Mars natally in Pisces because, you mm-hmm. know, if your Mars is in Aries or your Mars is in a fire sign or you're more kind of go get them, Mars in Pisces is going to look a little different. And so I liked this to align this with this. Uh, it says, swimmers who are caught in a rip current and who do not understand what is going on and who may not have the necessary water skills may panic or exhaust themselves by trying to swim directly against the flow of water. And so oh, I thought that was like, I was like, that's there, you know. That's like, too perfect. I love it. <laughs> so there is an element of going with the flow with our Mars energy over, uh, you know, the time, the next how long? I don't even think I prepared. The transit, it's only, it's only about six weeks. It's going to be um, uh, at the very uh, first week of January, first full week of January, he'll transition um, into Aries, I, I do believe. Yeah, I'm look, trying to find my... Uh, I had my ephemeris pulled I up. had my thing there and then I didn't. Okay. See, this is... This is real-time action, people. This is... <laughs> yes. I'm figuring it out. Uh, all right. Oh, actually, uh, the ingress into Aries is on New Year's Eve. Oh, it is the New night Year's of Eve. New Year's Great. Eve in December thirty first. Um, so yeah, so we basically have literally through the end of the year that we mm-hmm. that this Martian energy is going to be in this more watery, um, you know. Uh, if, Yes. <laughs> More watery, manifesting, changing place. And I think it's kind of beautifully timed because this is the time of year that most people are returning to their, uh, their home lives, their families. And I think there'll be a lot of beautiful coincidence, even for people that are not mindful of astrology. I think there'll be a lot of beautiful coincidence uh, where people are already going to be realigning a lot of their priorities to fit in with what their family needs are with what, you know, what, what can I do or get for my friend? And that comes from a higher place, the place of love. And so that'll all, that'll really fit in to the way Mars likes to be when it's in Pisces. And I think we'll see uh, a really, a really nice time of year around the holidays. I would certainly hope. I mean, we still have all these other shaking things up kind of things happening, but uh, I think it'll really temper the excessive heat of Mars a little bit. Yeah, with that watery, you know, because we are talking about fire, fire and water here. Jack had made the um, observation <laughs> that you know most most of the switches that we're going through right now are involving uh, fire and water signs, um, and even when we think about Mars and Pisces, because uh, the uh, traditional ruler of Pisces is Jupiter. 
And so here we're coming back to Jupiter and Sagittarius and that, you know, change ingress I've just made as well. And so, you know, there's that Jupiterian flavor that goes into this Mars as he's in Pisces. Um, and I think, you know, I think part of it is because Pisces can represent the collective consciousness, right? You know, all that is and tapping into that. And if Mars is that energy and, you know, Pisces can get swept away. Like Pisces is a very impressionable energy too. So Mm -hmm. part of that Mars, and that's what you were saying earlier, is like if you don't have that, you know, kind of rooted in that spirit, you might find yourself all over the place because you're swimming from sea to sea. Um, But at the same time within our... our, uh, just where we're at right now as a society, we can kind of get swept up in the collective passion of what's going on um, as well uh, with this Mars energy, which could be a good thing, you know, because if we're fighting, because think about it, Mars is the warrior. He wants to fight. We're fighting Mm -hmm. for, you know, things that are good on the um, sphere for all. Yes. That could be good. (laughs) Yeah, this definitely could be a great thing for activism. And I think it'll also, uh, uh, because Pisces, takes the form of, uh, or it likes to take the form of whatever it is being surrounded by. Uh, you know, Pisces being that mutable water, unlike Gemini, where it changes on the level of the mind, Pisces changes its very essence uh, to sort of match or reflect or complement what it's around. And this could be a great time for organizations and uh, people that work in causes uh, uh, to realign uh, their uh, some of their messaging or some of their tactics with what might be better received by people that they're trying to to share their mindset with. Yeah, no, that's that's a good because this is very much part of what is going on in the world right now, um, and so it seems like this Mars placement fits rather perfectly, and you know. It, Pisces can also, Pisces, you know, it can be a slippery fish, right? And so there, there can be some slippery action going on there. Um, And there can be some secretive things, you know, things happening uh, behind uh, closed doors that are in fact, are like affect uh, the bigger world sphere that we might not see until Mars hits Aries. And it's like, Oh, where did this come from? Um, There's a little bit of that. uh, Especially with Neptune and the transiting conjunction that's going to happen because Neptune, Neptune's fabulous. I mean, I love, Love. Everyone needs a little bit of Neptunian love in their life, but uh, Neptune in Pisces with Mars going through it, um, it definitely uh, could bring us to like the depths of mystery uh, pretty quickly. Um, so in addition to all the great advice coming out around, you know, the, the near square of Neptune and Mercury approaching, like to clarify communications and make sure that things are being well said and understood between parties um, and that you're checking your documents to make sure anything that you're signing is really articulated the way you want it to be. Um, there is going to be something with all of these influences of that square plus the Neptune Mars um, in Pisces coming together. There's going to be something for almost everyone that's not going to be within our view, that's going to feel cloudy and mysterious. And uh, as we move back into the fire, the more outwardly expressed signs that we're going to start seeing the results of. Um, so, uh, even though we can take all the precautions we would like, it is important to be mindful that, you know, 
some things are just going to be part of the mystery of life. Yes. And, uh, this is a, <laughs> a time to embrace that. <laughs> I like that. That's a good way to, to, to put it. And, you know, within that mystery lies a lot of uh, creative juice, I think. And so if you are a creator of things, if you're an artist, musician, um, any, any type of creative uh, thing, that your drive is probably going to feel, feel really good through the end of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to, personally, I'm going to tap into that vibe. <laughs> wow. um, this yeah. is a great time for self-expression. So uh, versus, you know, struggling with communicating things with other people, look within yourself and see what you want to express from the cloud of your own emotional fields, that Piscean, uh, uh, the depths of the emotional Pisces, and also, and also spirituality. A lot of people uh, in secular culture uh, don't maybe have a, a thing about dealing with spirituality or uh, aligning maybe what they would consider philosophy with something that might be higher. But this is a really great time to maybe reflect on if, if, if you are a person that has a block around the area of higher callings or higher purpose, maybe reflect on where your uh, block or personal hangup is surrounding that issue at this time. And if you're someone that's already hyper-spiritual, Um, it could be a a great time to reflect on the blind spot of spirituality, which is, uh, you know, am I manifesting or behaving that Virgo efficiency management reverse principle? Am I actually walking the walk? Am I doing the things that I truly believe that I ought to be doing that uh, I ought to be doing in groups by myself and with my family? Mm, Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense because I think James and I were talking about this last week, walking the talk and, you know, being an example by just living your own, your own truth and your own, you know, spiritual essence. And that can be very much a part of it here as we kind of get into that and like feel, you know, test our toes in that water because Pisces, you know, is the end of the Zodiac and it's an, it's a mutable, adaptable, transitional type of sign. And so we are basically moving within this transitional sphere and acting from it as well uh, to set us up for that cardinal initiating energy of Aries, uh, which will basically kick off 2019. um, And we'll have a, eclipses in early or in mid 2019 in January. Um, yeah. And so January is going to be a hot month, literally. <laughs> it is going to be a hot month. But, and so yeah. I'm glad you brought that up for a second, just because uh, we can uh, f- forewarn with a specific date, our uh, listeners here, the solar eclipse in Capricorn. So the first eclipse in this series of eclipses with the nodal ingress in the cancer, uh, cancer and cap will be on January uh, 5th, uh, 2019 at about 15 degrees of Capricorn. So it's going to be only a partial solar eclipse. So we're going to get this nice building effect uh, with the eclipse pattern of it, of it not being sort of a full eclipse quite yet. But you still, even when you brush the luminaries, uh, the dragon still shakes up the waters. So, uh, and that'll be a south node uh, eclipse, of course. So I think we'll really start to see the first waves of the things in our own personal lives and for wherever Capricorn sits in our own personal charts, the first waves of uh, visible karma uh, and the first signs of the things that are going to be healed if we start to nurture ourselves better. Mm, I like that. I like that a lot. And then hopefully that Aries, the Mars and Aries will be able to kind of act upon, you know, the things that are happening because we're going to be, our drives are going to be more potent in, in the start of things and, and feeling the fires of life and, uh, 
taking, having the courage to act in many ways. And hopefully that is in a good realm to help empower us and lead our direction for our personal selves and, you know, where we want to go. And like you're saying, those karmic influences may be like, oh, okay, now this is brought into my awareness now. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you said, because it's partial, it's kind of setting up a story that can be touched upon once other planets hit that zone or the nodes itself and, uh, you know, how many months time. Um, so mm-hmm. yes, yes, that's a good, that's a good point. January folks, January, January, Very interesting. Um, but before we get to January and I know what Jack and I can talk forever, but so we have to, Literally. we have to get, <laughs> Rain it in. Rain it. all right. So we have one more thing to talk about before we wrap up our call here. And that is the mercury retrograde happening, uh, in Sagittarius and will be, uh, Heading back into Scorpio for a short period of time before it stations um, direct. And so it's, there's a lot of things mm-hmm. about this um, Mercury retrograde. Uh, let's see, where's my things here? Do I have it? I don't have. Uh, well, I thought I, I had all my details. You have all the, <laughs> I thought I had all the details right there as far as like dates are concerned. Um, but I think I state that earlier in the podcast. I have my ephemeris pulled up, darling, but my my internet is so bad here that I actually had to close out all of my other internet workings to get our video to be smooth and steady. Ah. Um, Talking about Mercury about to be retrograde and squaring Neptune right now. Um, So let's just talk about Mercury and Sag for like a hot second first, because that's like the basis of where things are going on. Mercury is considered to be a detriment in Sag, obviously, because it's uh, opposite of Gemini in the wheel of the Zodiac. And I always like to think about, you know, like what, what does that mean specifically for that uh, planetary personality within that archetypal uh, uh, landscape, right? Mm, yeah. And uh, the reason, uh, or one of the main reasons for me that Mercury is considered a detriment in Sagittarius is because of how excited Sagittarius is that uh, Sagittarius likes to, you know, it's the moving fire. It likes to make manifestations happen in many different places. And Jupiter's great at doing that. But Mercury is all the fine details of how things happen. So it's almost like trying to follow the paperwork trails for like 12 different, uh, you know, 12 different uh, business plans or 12 different people's like reading 12 diaries at the same time. Like how do you follow all these different threads at once in order to, uh, and still maintain all that detail that Mercury likes to hold on to. Um, so it's a time where uh, information can get skipped over or jumbled a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in some ways the Mercury retrograde is going to help, I think in the sense that retrogrades pull things inward uh, and it'll give us some opportunities to reflect and uh, the whole process of Mercury slowing down there, yeah, if we're moving too slowly in a fast sign like Sag, we might miss even more details. But if we're diligent about using this time to reflect, I think it might give us some opportunities to actually perhaps work against some of the natural detriment in Sag because of the way Sagittarius works. Mm, yeah. And that's, that's something to be considered because like you're saying, you know, Mercury is all about just the, the quick information processing things and all the bits and pieces and why it works, uh, especially well in Virgo. Cause Virgo likes, uh, Gemini likes those airy facts. Virgo's like, get really gets in there. Um, <laughs> but Sagittarius, yeah, this is a wide expansive view. And I think the, the, the beauty in this Mercury retrograde actually is, 
being able to really reassess what the big picture looks like for us um, on our own personal lives. You know, what, where are we going with this? What, what does this look like? Uh, how do we, what do we believe about ourselves in that direction that we see? Are we, you know, just honing in on all that type of things? Because like you said, uh, Mercury will almost square Neptune, like almost, it's just like just touching. It's by degree, but it just act, doesn't quite perfect uh, before it goes retrograde. And so there is that, that Neptunian influence. But one of the most important things that I see for this is also the dance that's happening with Jupiter and Mercury. And so basically Jupiter and Mercury conjuncted um, in the tail end of Scorpio, I think it was 28 degrees of Scorpio back mm-hmm. on October 29th, uh, which coincidentally is right when the Mercury retrograde shadow period started. So Mercury is going to retrograde back to this first um, Mercury-Jupiter conjunction point that happened mm-hmm. at the end of October. And I know a lot of people, I have a, one of my besties had an offer come in that's like changing her life in many ways. And a lot of us have heard things at that time that we're setting up this bigger picture view and these possibilities of what is out there for us um, to you know, expand upon and put our energy into or put our mind towards you know, Mercury there. And so mm-hmm. I think Mercury doing this dance with Jupiter and then stationing on that point that originally met Jupiter is really helping us get, you know, what is, what's we, what are we inspired for, for the future? What does our ideological beliefs look like that helps support that or help or don't, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's kind of these, this bigger, you know, what are we inspired by to, yeah. in the whole of our lives, you know? And then Mercury moving back into the very end of Scorpio. I think it does make it back to the very late part of the 27th degree. Yes. Uh, And uh, so Mercury moving back into this, like the beautiful still water of Scorpio. um, Us reflecting on what do we need, like what do we need to do in order to actually meet our needs in order to manifest the the ways we're able to now expand. Um, And uh, I think it's also really, really well-timed because it, it takes Mercury, our communicator, out of uh, hot Sag for just long enough for us to cool down a bit. Cool it down. <laughs> find a little, I mean, as still as Mercury can be, right? Yeah. Uh, just a little bit of, uh, of, of a calmer Mercury before he moves back forward. And really, uh, I think we should take the opportunity of the remaining time of Mercury that's going to be in Scorpio to prepare ourselves mentally for returning through Sagittarius. Like have your plans ready. Um, Give yourself one less thing to think about when Mercury is in Sag because guaranteed you're going to have a million things to think about when Mercury gets back in Sag. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so we really need this time period to, to hone in on these things and take some time with it and assess on the inside. Because like we were saying with Mercury retrograde, it's a lot of re-reing, you know, rethinking, reassessing, re-examining, you know, all these types of things. We want to get down um, to this, we, we kind of want to get down to that forest uh, within the tree or, you know, well, what the one I'm looking for here, <laughs> you know, can't see the trees through the forest. Well, we yes. want to see the forest. We, we, yes. we want to see less of the trees. We want to see the forest so that we can then see where to place the trees or what path we need to take within the trees in order to access this bigger place. And like you're saying with the fire there, like what 
what I thought of uh, with spending so much time in the retrograde in the fire zone and then just dipping back into the waters of Scorpio because some of the highest manifestations of Scorpio can be that the symbolism of the Phoenix that, you know, burns itself up into this rebirth. And so I'm thinking possibly there's a lot of tinder that will be, you know, culminating uh, as we move backwards through Sagittarius and maybe around our own beliefs and ideology, you know, ideologies of how we live, you know, on the world sphere, but also how we live our own lives because in order to you know proceed along the lines of the big picture we have to believe in ourselves we have to believe in the picture that we see the visions that are coming up and we you know and so i'm wondering if we kind of rebirth mentally through kind of like a phoenix like a burst (laughs) (laughs) and mercury and scorpio can totally do that scorpio has this i mean uh Scorpio has that beautiful plutonic transformative energy within it, um, which oftentimes is compared to yet another dragon in the chart. You know, this, this dragon that comes forth and inspires change. And Mercury, if you, if you think of Mercury's staff with the dual snakes, you know, a dragon's just a big snake. Uh, on his most powerful scale, uh, Mercury has the power of the dragon, you know, but he can fit into all the nooks and crannies that a little baby snake can. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, it's important for us all to remember uh, just how stretchy Mercury is. Mercury can fit almost any need as the most mutable planetary body. And there was, oh, you might need to help me with his name, the, the fantastic speaker on the astrologyuniversity.com summit. John or Holly. Jason yes, Holly. John Holly. Jason, Jason Holly. Holly. Yeah, I agree. Fabulous. Fantastic lecture. <laughs> Fabulous. Oh yeah. my goodness. Um, but it was all about, for those that didn't catch it, it was all about Mercury and uh, and he really delved right into that archetype and looked at all the ways in which Mercury can manifest in bigger or different ways than we normally consider, uh, even getting into, you know, a nighttime versus a daytime Mercury. And uh, I think it's a really great call to modern astrology to remember just how transmutable and how powerful Mercury can be when uh, we call upon him properly. And it helps if he's well-placed. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, we spent a whole year with Mercury retrograding through the fire trigon, basically. You know, mm-hmm. earlier on the year, it was Aries. Midsummer, it was Leo. And now we're in Sagittarius. So it's, these are inspirational uh, zones that are being triggered. You know, the our, our passions, uh, mm-hmm. what, what we are fired up to create in life, uh, and re- even reassessing our own creative outward direction, you know, mentally, where, where are we putting our creative juices in? And it doesn't mean you have to be an artist or like anything to be, you know, we're all creative people and that's how we make changes in our lives versus based on inspiration. Um, and so I, you know, this is the third leg of this year where we're tapping into this creative inspiration, um, but in this larger realm of experience. Um, and so, I mean, I'm personally ready. I have, I've had my own impulses recently where I'm starting to get some bigger picture, you know, views Mm. coming in possibilities. Um, but they might need for me to shift and turn in order to make that happen. I mean, have you experienced anything like that yourself yet? Absolutely. Um, for sure. Uh, just in the, I mean, if it's in, uh, from, me, the Venus retrograde has also been very present for tons of people. Yes. It's been, uh, so the Venus retrograde has been a huge part of this. And uh, I think on a, on a grand scale level, it's been about us realigning and getting back in touch with our values um, because Venus is what is valued and what is considered to be uh, 
you know, of worth and um, the ingress of Mars going into Pisces and the retrograde with Mercury can all fit for everyone in their own lives with how we've been realigning and reconnecting to our core values. And then Mercury and Mars are much more about how we then go back and express them. So see how you can take the changes that have been happening in your heart and in your mind and put them better into your own speech and writing and manifested actions. Mm, I love that, Jack, because, you know, it is no coincidence that Venus stations direct the very day that Mercury mm-hmm. stations retrograde. And I think yes. this has a lot to do with what you're saying. We've spent, you know, the last 40 some days looking at what is of value to us, what, you know, is calling on, on that level. And it's going to take ourselves to be able to, to honor that and yeah. to acknowledge it and to love it enough love ourselves enough to be able to pursue that value beyond our time of, re- of assessing that. And I think that's where that big picture view of Sagittarius uh, Mercury retrograde comes in because once you figure out what you value, yeah. then you got to look how that for- formulates within the whole of your life. Because if you're taking actions and, and thinking in ways that don't align with the core essence of who you are, because mm-hmm. we've come to terms with this in the last 40 days, uh, you know, that's what needs to be arranged. Those are the mental shifts that need to happen. That's where, uh, you know, that mercury quickening is going to activate. Mm-hmm. And we'll be like, oh, we got to do something about this. Um, and, you know, don't do it. It's Mercury is about recessing in this time period. <laughs> so, you know, because that's the thing was that's why Mercury retrograde, because it's so quick and, and, and nimble right. and active, you know, that's where we can get in trouble because we're like, oh, we're inspired now. Let's do it. No, just <laughs> hold on. Hold on. We'll get there, uh, especially in January. I think we're going to be feeling a lot of changes there. Um, but yeah. For sure. And I think we can take that idea with us straight into the Venus direct period going back through Scorpio. Um, because again, Venus is considered in her fall or in, uh, in detriment there. Um, but that, that's mostly because Venus, Venus sort of needs to do things by herself. Uh, when she's in Scorpio, she, uh, she has less of an ability to, um, to like magnetize all of the people and resources she needs. So I think it's about us being able to charge forward again uh, in a more centered place of our realigned and reassessed values uh, uh, via our Venusian principle. So this should feel like a little bit more if you've been putting in uh, the work mentally and uh, in your own life uh, from Venus's messages for you in her retrograde period, then this should feel like quite a different Venus in Scorpio than her shadow period earlier this year. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and I think a lot of the listeners out there, you know, if they're like us, they're on that path mm-hmm. too. So they're going to see that, that growth and progress. Um, and I think this is just really the, you know, this Mercury retrograde is the last retrograde wrapping up this retrograde year, basically. This has been a year. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Mercury retrogrades three to four times a year. So this is pretty commonplace, but this particular one and the way it's set up, you know, there's no coincidence here. Yeah. This is pure synchronicity that is taking place to really set us up uh, in the mental mind frame of what we see and want to uh, proceed with in 2019. Um, and, you know, to get in there, like, we're going to yeah. have to, you know, during this retrograde Find ways to express yourself, you know, try on new things, dance around, move your body, you know, like get into that or revisit creative activities that you have not 
done in a while, or you're like, oh, I remember when I used to do that, you know, things along those lines, like kind of stimulates that energy moment. For sure. All of the mental energy of air and fire from this year has really been pushing us towards the more, I mean, the the water earth axis of that north and south node in Cancer and Capricorn and us moving into uh, creative self-expression and the changing manifestations of what's visible within the structures of our uh, culture locally and nationally. Um, and so uh, the upcoming year is going to be much more, I think, about taking action for the things that we are feeling and uh, taking action because of the visible results of things that are finally happening. This has been sort of like the, the logistical pre-period of drawing up the, the contract uh, and doing your studying work before you go out and do your practical in the real world. Yeah. And, uh, there's going to be a lot more... A lot more um, possibilities for both joy and for, um, well, and for possible painful experiences if, uh, you know, if we didn't learn from this study time. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know what? I like those points, Jack, because it really speaks to the fact that Saturn has been in Capricorn for the all of 2018, you know, ingressed right before, I believe in December, I think it was of last year. Um, And so, yeah, we are looking at those little bits and pieces and what's being planned and architected in our lives and like this, you know, but we had to take time in order to, to get there. And that's what's like a lot of retrograde because i mean mars has been in the aquarius like we were talking about earlier since may uh, aquarius is ruled by saturn so it's all coming back to the saturn you know that is sitting in capricorn um and we we see it in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah, i know and saturn loves for you to do your studying in order for there to be true revolution everyone has to be caught up to speed as to where we're all really at um and i think that has been part of the nature of Saturn has been preparing us uh, for uh, for the practical changes. Um, good old teacher Saturn. No tea, yes, <laughs> giving us the giving us the hard knocks that we have to get through in order to get get to the better place. Um, but I guess the last thing I'll say about Mercury retrograde before we wrap up here, which I find very interesting, because we were talking about how Mercury will be doing that dance with Neptune, like. Um, And I, you know, to be honest, I think that much of that Mercury dance with Neptune is actually going to add flavor to the upcoming Jupiter-Neptune square that's going to be taking place in 2019. So if Mercury brings about news and events and things that we hear or things that take place or like, you know, the quickening of things that spur into action, I think Mm -hmm. that this, this particular, um, retrograde and just that contact with Neptune, it might have a lot to do with the story that's going to be taking place uh, within Jupiter Neptune square, but, but also because, you know, okay. So when Mercury will officially square Neptune happens to square on Christmas Eve. Yeah. And so the first thing I thought about is, Oh, if you're ordering gifts last minute online, that po- that postal situation is probably going to be a mess. There's going to be packages lost, delayed. <laughs> contents might be a little deceptive. I don't want to take, you know, we've had some issues with that recently. We um, have, we have. Um, but I mean, just in a, in a fun way, like, you you know, you order some socks, you get a, you get a cutting board, you know? <laughs> like, yes. It, I fire of lots of people sending gifts for that Jupiter and then, you know, the, the package getting lost for a yes. while. Waters of Pisces and Neptune. Well, yeah, because I heard, you know, a whole thing uh, on Amazon recently uh, talking about Amazon and how, you know, because they're so large, which is very 
another topic for another time. They're having a hard, their workers are peeing in bottles because they can't even keep up to go to a bathroom break. Like this is Whoa. how crazy it is uh, based on how many, many of us use that service out of convenience. Um, and so that's something to think about. I'm right there too. I, I got prime, I click on it. Um, but I, 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 I was thinking if they're having this in just the normal, you know, everyday month of the year, mm-hmm. what's Christmas going to look like? Especially with like you're saying Jupiter and Sag, where we're like, we're feeling more generous. Like, let's get this and then that, and then just buy that. And then I just have a feeling we're going to, something postal is going to take place at the, for Christmas. <laughs> FYI, a little heads up there. little heads up. Although I think that in general, we should be looking forward to that Neptune-Jupiter square with reception, right? I, yeah. uh, Neptune and Jupiter already get along in their natures a lot. And uh, Jupiter's heat kind of warms up uh, Neptune's coolness, and then it's rece- uh, recepted by the square happening from Pisces to Sag. Uh, I think there'll be a lot of great opportunity for uh, advancements through the Jupiterian and Neptunian things. So I think a lot of people are probably going to be lucky. Someone might finally win the lottery and pick up the ticket. Like that, yeah. there are going to be some, <laughs> yeah. be some wonderful things happening. Um, just also maybe a little bit of oversaturation of uh, human action combined with things getting lost in the sea of all this aggregate um, stuff that's been accumulating. Yeah, no, those are those are excellent points. And wow, we've had a lot of excellent points here today. Ooh, it's been a long talk, and I love it. Yes, uh, so we hope that you like it as well. And if you have any thoughts to share, uh, you know, we'd love to hear them. Um, but before we wrap up here, uh, Jack, remind people where they can find you, what you got going on and all that. Sure. Uh, you can find me at GeminiJack.com and I uh, got some blog postings going up, uh, uh, some wonderful services. The, uh, the astrology thing, since our first talk earlier this year, uh, Mel has just really exploded in a beautiful way. And I want to share that thanks with you and with listeners in the world and meeting so many amazing people at UAC is really like the depth of astrology and its knowledge and its applications has just really revolutionized the way that, um, well, that, uh, that I see and interact with the world, but then also how I'm able to deliver that information to clients and other people. And so Everyone just keep keep diving deeper. Jupiter square Neptune. That's the that, that's the time for astrology if there ever was one. So uh, keep up uh, keep up the great studying. Yeah, and take my yoga classes if you're in Northern Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Go get that yoga on with Thank Jack. You. He'll make it fun. You know that Leo Moon. That's that's yes. I love it. <laughs> yeah. No, I I'm with you. I mean, just doing this podcast alone. I mean, I've always been a planet watcher, clearly, but. Um, just doing this on a weekly basis has taken it to the next level for me. So I'm glad that we get to share in this process together. Um, and that our, you know, the listeners also hopefully are picking up on these things and looking at life mm-hmm. in a, a little bit of a different way. Cause that's basically my goal here. Um, and I'm so glad there's people like you that I just love and adore that can chat with me about this because you know, not, it's not everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm very grateful for it. So definitely go check J- uh, Jack out. Um, and he will be back on this podcast because that's just uh, my own personal agenda. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. So big round of applause there. What about you, Mel? Where can people find you, honey? 
Where can they find me? Well, <laughs> you can find me at the namesake, energeticprinciples.com. Uh, well, you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. Um, and I, you know, I keep neglecting to say on the podcast uh, that I have on the front page of my website uh, a sign-up form for my mailing list where I can alert you of my moon articles that come out or other types of goodies or giveaways or whatever we have going on there. Um, so if you want to just keep in, keep a rest on that. Um, and especially with the, the new moon articles and the full moon articles, um, throw your email address in there and I'll send it over when it's ready. Um, also there's the Patreon subscription that I got going on, on patreon.com backslash energetic principles. And they, I have tiers everywhere from $1 to $6 tarot subscriptions, moon horoscopes, all types of different things. So it's, it's a good way to support the podcast and, you know, in that cross of matter that we were talking about earlier. <laughs> um, so uh, if you're interested in that, go check that out. And as always, if you like what you hear today, spread the good word, share it with a friend, keep them in the know of what's going on um, because sharing is caring as we well know. And Mars is about to move in Pisces. So let, yes, let's care. Let's share. <laughs> let's actively do this. Um, and last but not least, if you feel so inclined to give me a nice rating on iTunes, I will not protest because that helps me get seen uh, more organically. And then all of my guests get that benefit as well. And so it's just supporting an astrological communi- uh, community that... Um, I'm very proud to have uh, cultivated this year. And so that was one of my main, a little pat on my back for this year. I've been thinking about this since uh, 2012, basically. Some type of community uh, around this idea that I had. I didn't know how it was going to take place. Um, But here I am. Here's Jack. (laughs) And, (laughs) And all the wonderful astrologers and practitioners and just people that have joined me this year. I know I feel like I'm giving an end of the year speech, but it just felt right in this particular moment. So I thank everybody that has, has listened and that has taken part in the discussion. Um, and of course, once again, I thank Jack because I'm grateful for him to be here. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's <laughs> spread his arms and... Uh... I gave Mel a hug through the screen, yes, yeah. for all those that don't have the visual here. Yeah, that was a screen <laughs> hug in case you know. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning in. I know it was a little bit long, but there's so much to talk about at this time. So we hope you enjoy it. So once again, uh, thank you for tuning in. And as always, may the stars be with you.